Listen, I bought this soft bunny toilet paper because it had fluffy bunnies on it, and it was the most harsh fucking toilet paper. So you've proven my point. <laughs> I like that it worked like a charm, though. Gordo was like, ooh, bunnies are soft. <laughs> That's exactly what I said. I went, bunnies are soft. This will be good. I'm certainly not going to buy this toilet paper with a turtle on it. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone, to S1E1, the show where each week we pick a different sitcom, watch just the first televised episode, and forgetting anything we might know about the future run of that show, rate it and decide if it's a show we want to greenlight or cancel. This week we're going to be talking about Everybody Hates Chris. Everybody Hates Chris went 88 episodes over four seasons on UPN and then moving over to the CW. Today we're talking about episode one, which is called Everybody Hates the Pilot, originally airing September 22nd, 2005. So to get things started, I'm Jay Gags. With me as always, most of the boys, Berg, Gordo, and Nick. No Joe this week. What's going on, guys? Hey Hello. So uh, before we even get started, I just want to say this is the first time we're recording an episode after our live show. We, um, we've released one since, but this is the first time we've recorded one since. So I just wanted to thank everyone who took part in that. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, it was really cool. More in the future. We have to kind of plan out how and what we're going to do with them, but uh, it's a new tool we have in, in the uh, in the case now so we'll probably be doing more of those in the future and we'll let you know about them so to get into everybody hates chris this was one that was a fan pick i, I don't remember the name of the person who originally messaged us and I, I apologize but he told us that he was from brazil a big fan of the show and that this show actually gets a, a good amount of syndication in brazil which i found very surprising shout out I, i'm sorry I, I don't have your name written down but uh thank you so much for listening we're doing this one um at your suggestion and to the rest of you guys, everybody hates Chris. Did, did you guys watch this show uh, back in the day or ever? Sporadically. Nope. It's one of those shows that it was, yeah, it would always just like show up on whatever channel I was watching and I would end up watching a couple episodes of it, but I never like set out to watch it now. This was the first time I've seen an episode of it ever. Wait, you've never even heard of it, Gordo? I'm sorry. No, I've heard of it. I'm sorry. I meant to say I've never seen it. Oh, My bad. Okay. I'm a little tired today. I would have believed either from you. But, um. <laughs> no, I knew Chris Rock had it. Like I said, this just the show's about kids. Not really, not really my thing. But we'll get into it. We'll get into. It. We've done numerous episodes like this, right? Like we've done Fresh Off the Boat, and we did one other one, Young Rock. Yeah, Young. Yeah, Rock. Young Rock. And yeah, this is. Um, I mean, like those shows too. They're based on an actual human, like a kind of like a celebrity doing a recount of their childhood kind of all three of those shows this one as i read up a little bit on it it's like it's loosely based on chris rock but there's a lot of things that are very much different than his actual upbringing like oh yeah namely he mainly grew up in the 70s but he thought it would be better to do a show in the 80s because there was just more he said the 70s was already being done a lot like with that 70s show and some other stuff so he just switched decades entirely and more impactful from, than that is he actually had six brothers yeah, he yeah. just crushed those into just one brother. Yeah, can you imagine being like the other brothers and then like then being the brother that got picked and just feeling like shit? Well, no, he doesn't actually have a brother named Drew. Like they they kind of just tried to take you know pieces of all the brothers' personality and put them into one person, or like they they spread it out between the sister too. Yeah, I read they mixed like three kids into each sibling for the show. Well, yeah, and even um 
like the parents, like all of his family members are, they're all fictional names. Like none of these are his actual. Terry Crews isn't really his dad. The father's name is not (laughs) the actual name of his father. That's disappointing. But yeah, no, I mean, I was aware of this show and I don't know why I never watched it. I guess we've talked about before it, it came out in 2005 and we're like fresh out of high school at that point. Maybe we're just not home watching television at that time as much. Could it be that everybody hated Chris? Get All right. Yeah. <laughs> to go on that, <laughs> awesome joke, Gordo. <laughs> this was directly like linked to Everybody Loves Raymond in namesake. Like that's why they named it Everybody Hates Chris was based on that that title. So my mom, I was talking to her earlier and my mom was asking me what show we were doing. And I said, oh, we're doing Everybody Hates Chris. My mom goes, I hated that show because I thought it was Everybody Loves Raymond. <laughs> And I did not like that show, and it is not Everybody Loves Raymond at all. Not like that at all. Did she think it was like a spinoff? I think so. She didn't know it was about Chris Rock. She thought it was like a spinoff of Everybody Loves Raymond. What's funny about Everybody Loves Raymond is we did that episode like a hundred episodes ago because we wanted to do King of Queens, and then we never did King of Queens because we like to do like the, the original show before any spinoff. And then we got yelled at because apparently it's not like a technical spinoff, but needless to say, we never ended up doing King of Queens. Nope. Nope. I'm sure we'll do that soon. I thought we did do King of Queens. No, we were going to. We did the other Kevin James show. Yeah. Yeah, It was the intention. Yeah. We were going. That's why we ended up doing Everybody Loves Raymond was specifically to do King of Queens. And then we never did it. We didn't do King of Queens since. No. No. No, Joe wanted to do King of It Queens. is funny, though. I was thinking when Jay asked the other day what our next picks were going to be for the shows coming up, I'm starting to get to the point where I'm forgetting shows we've done. Because, I mean, yeah. it's, I mean you do 100 shows. Well, is this 102, this one we're recording right now? 102. Yeah. So, I mean, at a certain point, we're going to have to have like a reference guide to see if we've done them already because we're going to forget. It's not only that, but there's phantom shows in my head that we've never done, but we've just talked about, and I'm like, positive we've covered it, and then I look back and we didn't. Like, I could have sworn we did AP Bio, but we've never done AP Bio. Joe has talked about AP Bio. We've talked about doing Grace Under Fire a million times, especially in the early days, and we just never did it. Yeah. I think there's, like, shows like that, like King of Queens, Grace Under Fire, that are, like, big Earth shows that we we always just assume will be a group pick, so you don't want to, like waste your your private pick on it sometimes i don't know if that's maybe the mindset i think maybe i think that way i almost did it this week with a big joe would let i, I was gonna pick fa- uh, i almost said family guy family matters <laughs> and i was like no that'll get picked by the group <laughs> so yeah you're right exactly yeah well in any event we might as well get in everybody hates chris and i guess to start off it, it should be noted this whole episode in the show I, I would assume the show in general it's narrated by chris rock but it is heavily narrated by chris rock throughout the entire show yeah most of the time he's talking even in the scenes i've seen the like i said the show sporadically but i think about every episode i've seen it's like that so it's not just a pilot thing i thought it was maybe a little too heavy at times and the way that it cut it around it got weird sometimes and, and we'll get into that more as we go along but didn't really bother me. If you watch the new episode, he gets slapped by uh, Will Smith, so he yeah, kind of stops. I was say. <laughs> Will Smith apparently hates him the most. <laughs> apparently. Get my wife's name out your fucking mouth. Oh, language. We are not a kid's show. <laughs> but, but yeah, so in any event, the show starts, and it's 1982. 
And like I said, in real life, he grew up in the 70s, but in fantasy world, he's growing up in the 80s. And he said that that's the year that he turned 13 before he was a comedian, and he thought that the coolest thing that would ever happen to him would be becoming a teenager. And we see kind of this almost dream sequence, and it's 13-year-old Chris Rock, the, the Chris that we see throughout the show, but he's like dressed like kind of as an adult. He's in a leather jacket with sunglasses on, and he's entering like a nightclub, and everyone's partying and having a good time and like cheering him on. And he kind of like, it just ends with him like in that like b-boy stance, but this is his fantasy of what being a teenager would be. Yeah. That flashback gave me extreme Scrubs vibes. Yes. I've, you know, yeah. I didn't think about it until you said it just now, but there is a lot of like cutback. Well, not cutback, but like almost transitionally, it does feel like Scrubs. Was Scrubs on Fox? Mm, I don't think so. I can't remember because I know this show was create was like developed by Fox, but then not picked up by them. Uh, it was NBC and then later ABC. Okay, so everyone but Fox. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, no, it's funny. Fox, like, helped develop this show, but then they didn't end up going with it. So it, it ended up a UPN and then CW show. It does feel like a Fox show. It's the way it's filmed, too. It's, yeah. It's just like everything else on Fox. Yeah. Uh, his age, too. So he was born in 65. That You said, what, this was 82? 82. So, I mean, he's only four years off from his actual age, which isn't crazy. Yeah, he just boosted it up a little bit to get himself into So he should be 17 and 82. He's playing 13. It's not out of the 12. realm of, yeah. Oh, no, it was, thir- it was yeah, 13, Yeah, 13. Right? And yeah, that whole dream thing kind of gets cut short when it abruptly like cuts to his mom entering his bedroom and waking him up because he needs to wipe off the toilet because he got piss all over it. <laughs> get your pee, Allah. <laughs> what did she say exactly? Because it made me laugh. Oh, I don't know. Along those lines, but yeah. Just that there was pee all over the seat. That was in the trailer for the original show. And that like that stuck in my brain. The fact that like I, I remembered it after all these years. And that's uh Tashina Arnold, who you know is like Pam from Martin, which we covered a while back. Oh, okay. And now she's in that show The Neighborhood. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that. That's got it's like an all-star cast of people from other sitcoms. The bar a line from Gordo, I've never even heard of that. Really? No. But the dude no. from New Girl is the main guy on it. Nick? No, who's the one who took his shirt off? Smitty. Schmidt. Just Smith. Smith. S-C-H-M-I-D-T. Yeah, Smith, and he's married to the blonde girl from Two Broke Girls, and then the neighbors are Tashina Arnold and Cedric the Entertainer. That sounds great. That really is a sitcom all-star cast. Yeah, really, it is, yeah. They're, they're, they just got, like, compiled all people from other successful shows and lumped them together. Was this show successful? It's still running. It's still running now. Oh, so maybe okay. we'll cover it in the future. I kind of want to cover like all the shows that they came from first and then maybe com- it's not a spinoff, but like something to compare to. I really don't want to cover two broke girls. We have to eventually. It's so it's such a big show. <sighs> from there, we get into the actual intro of the show, which I really liked. I don't know how to quite describe it. It was like layered photos, but they would like move to look like there was actual motion going on. It, it, I'm not quite describing it properly, but it's like layered images. And the only time anything was like real and it was like the sky, they use actual video of the sky. What are you talking about? The intro of the show. My version didn't have an intro. What did you watch it on? The Drive. So did I. Yeah, so did I. I don't remember that either. I'm confident it was there because I've watched it twice. Was this after you hit your foot and lost a ton of blood? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No. It was certainly the intro to the show. You can watch it back when you guys have time. But that's... I didn't watch it on the drive. I watched it on something else, so my version didn't have it. Where uh, where did you watch it from? Is it on a streaming site that I should be plugging for people who want to watch it? No, not one that won't get us in trouble. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we should probably do our homework right now, though, and let people know where they can watch Everybody Hates Chris. 
My guess is Hulu if it's an ABC show. It's, oh no, it's no, Fox. I'm sorry. It wasn't we either. Talking, no, we no. were talking about ABC earlier. It was UPN so. then CW, which is going to be tricky because a lot of ah, their stuff isn't anywhere. You can Sometimes... watch it on Tubi. Oh, good. <laughs> there you go. And Pluto TV and the Roku channel and Crackle. So all the free ones. All the, all the free ones. So you guys are all in luck. So I guess not not too many people hate Chris after all because he's free for everybody. Or nobody loved him enough to pay for him. <laughs> so he just <laughs> threw it everywhere. Touche. But yeah, uh, then we cut to the the scene after the intro that apparently only I saw, and it's Brooklyn in 1982. And he said that when he was 13, his mother convinced his father to move out of the projects. And she said that the projects was just another word for experiment. It says in a lab, the government gives rats cheese, and the projects, the government gives people cheese. And I'm going to be 100% honest with you guys. I never knew that government cheese was a real thing. Yes. I thought it was like a weird saying for money. God, you're so privileged. I didn't. Uh, were you guys all super aware of that? Well, yeah. Yes. What did you think it was? I just thought it was like a weird term for like money, like that government cheese. Like I didn't know that. No, they come in like you can actually see, like if you ever go to like the supermarket, you see like the big yellow block of uncut cheese. That's basically what government cheese was. I just thought that was Gouda. No, I got curious about it afterwards, and I read up on it because they showed the dude just eating cheese. I'm like, oh wait, it's a real thing. And yeah, it's. A, I mean, it's still a program. It doesn't count against your food stamps or anything, so it's you know you get that in addition to it, which is nice. But yeah, I didn't know. It also means money too. They did a really good job of like, aside from you know Terry Crews, we'll get into it with his all his money was, but they did a really good job of like getting their poverty across. Like it was apparent how real their struggle was and how he seemed to. Uh, they all seemed to roll with it, but I think they did a good job of like showing you how hard it was for them without really making it super depressing. Yeah, and I think they really toyed a line because there were points of the show where I was like, this is, the, I don't know if the comedy is balancing how hard the hardships are, but a lot of things tied in really nice towards the end, which put a lot of stamps like on, on all these little storylines that were kind of going throughout, which you know obviously an episode should have, but it a lot of, we'll get into it obviously towards the end, but a lot of these little plot points and things that were described really got those like, those tie-ins later on. You then cut to the whole family. And it, that's, we said before, it's his parents and then he has one brother and one sister in the show. It's not like his actual family situation. And they're on the front of the U-Haul driving to like where they're about to move to. And Chris asks if they can get some McDonald's and the dad who, as you mentioned, Terry Crews, doesn't want to spend any money. And he says that they have some bologna in the back. Eventually, he agrees to get one Happy Meal, but they all have to split it. No, one value meal. Yeah, and the brother can get the burger, the sister's getting the fries, and he gets the drink. He said one time he only got the ice. <laughs> Later, Terry Crews went on to become Cheeseburger Eddie, and he got all the McDonald's he won. That's true. Mm -hmm. I thought, I, I understand the, the joke here, but in my head, I'm like, why don't you get a nugget meal and share the fries and I'll get like a nugget each? Yeah. What's crazy, too, I think it kind of highlights how cheap his dad really was because- as far as food pricing goes, McDonald's is probably about as cheap as you can get and in the 80s. Oh, yeah. A value meal is like literally yeah. a couple dollars. You probably get a burger for like 50 cents back then. So he could have got burgers for everybody for a couple bucks. And he was just like, no. Yeah, but weren't you paid like five bucks an hour back then? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, obviously. It's all relative to a degree, sure. But as we see throughout the episode, this guy works around the clock. And now- What's your favorite McDonald's food? I haven't had McDonald's in years. Well, what was your favorite? In order, Big Mac, then double cheeseburger. 
They're fucking so good. I couldn't tell you the last time I had McDonald's beef, like a burger from them. I usually just get nuggets or a filet of fish, which is weird because <laughs> there's no food item that you guys know that I hate more than pickles. So as a result, I don't eat tartar sauce, but I will eat tartar sauce on the filet of fish. It's the only exemption to the rule. And I can't explain why. When Jay worked at the place in East Boston, right next to the McDonald's, we saw his car one day in the backseat was just like all filet of fish wrappers. <laughs> it was right next to where I worked. It was like the best option at the time. Oh man, if I worked right next to a McDonald's, I wouldn't be I'd be dead. Well what's funny is in our town, we used to have a McDonald's. Yeah. Which is yeah. no longer there. And I lived literally at the the same street basically it was attached to more or less. It's a two minute walk from my house. And towards the later days I never, ever went there. Maybe if I went once or twice all year to McDonald's. And it's probably a product of living so close to it. I used to go and buy cigarettes from the guy, from delivery <laughs> oh, driver yeah. there. The fucking, first oh, of all, McSig. why did our McDonald's have a delivery guy? I, that has to be a, a, a one-time thing ever. I don't know, but they never got your order right if you got deliveries. <laughs> Second of all, you go buy a pack of butts from them, too, if you want. Yeah. 12 years old, you don't give a shit. Yep. Oh, we got the McMarbros here. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. You would go to his fucking car, and you'd or or you'd order McDonald's, and he'd drive up, and you'd be like, "Yo," because I'm not gonna out the guy. I mean, he's probably dead now, anyways. But most you know, likely, but... <laughs> he probably is. But you know, you'd be like, "Oh, can I also get the mob reds?" And he'd come back, and you pay him. That would be his tip. Was he charging premiums because you were children? They were five bucks. I remember from him. They were five bucks. Oh, that's not bad. He wasn't getting that much. I mean, granted, he was probably buying cartons out of state, but. Keep in mind, a carton at that time was probably 25 bucks. Yeah. So he was still making money. He was making money, yeah. But he was buying them in New Hampshire. Yeah. And bringing them down. Yeah. So he was making money. The only other thing I want to mention about that McDonald's that I thought was funny was, if you remember, Gordo, your brother worked there. And when that McDonald's shut down. Yeah. It was like, if I recall- they didn't, it was like the McSWAT team came in overnight and boarded the whole place up and like no one was warned. And if I, if I can remember the story correctly, I believe your brother walked to work one day and it was just gone. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds <laughs> about fuck? right. Yeah. They boarded it up and they put, um, health department signs all over it. Yeah. They were asked to like make all these like changes and the owner just didn't want to do them. And McDonald's, even though you franchise it, there's still guidelines you have to follow. Like, Hey, we want to prep things a certain way we want you to upgrade that's yeah. when they started putting like flat screen tvs when those tvs were becoming popular like so we need to put some of those in the restaurant and the owner didn't do it and then boom just mcdonald's was like uh-uh <laughs> they just shut that shit right down also the idea of a mcswat team is really <laughs> funny because i just pictured a swat team with like big clown shoes <laughs> just chasing the hamburglar with guns <laughs> i was gonna say i picture rubble, a bunch rubble. of hamburglers coming down <laughs> and a bunch of grimaces but yeah, no, uh, RIP to the McDonald's in our hometown. You saved all of our lives. No cigarettes and no burgers. We're all healthier for it. And no Gordo peeing in the ball pit. No, now I just got to go further to be unhealthy. You peed in the ball pit? No. You're the worst <laughs> of the worst. <laughs> we also used to have wrestling matches in the ball pit. And I'm That's okay. Sure... That's to play in. <laughs> yeah, but I'm pretty sure I got knocked unconscious with a, uh, uh, a tray, and I peed myself when I woke up. You waited to wake up until you peed yourself? No, I woke up and it was already pee-pee. 
So unless somebody pee-peed on me. <laughs> I don't believe that happened for a second. I think you peed in there as a prank, giggled, and then we called you an asshole, yeah. and now you have a story about how you got knocked out and accidentally I peed in I tend to think there. that you're correct. Yeah. I actually did get knocked out in the ball pit. That's not in question. I think you're just blending two stories together now. I might be, my, but, you know, I did get a concussion as a child and never went to the hospital. So did I, and everybody laughed at me when it happened. It's <laughs> because you were skipping around and fell off a Wasn't flower pot. skipping or dancing when that happened. I just jumped on the fucking flower pot. So we have to now. So sorry to anyone who is very intent on us getting right back into the story of the show, but one of my fondest memories as a kid was Nick just skipping around town. <laughs> Wasn't frolic- skipping. Frolicking as he did, and he jumped up. There was a, like, in the town, there was a flower pot, like, on the corner of the sidewalk, but the, the business only put it there because it was, like, a, like, they had, like, a street sign that was- Tree a- stump. It was a fucking tree stump. <laughs> so they did that so no one would trip over it. So obviously, you know, you wouldn't jump on the giant flower pot, but Nick, as he was skipping along, decided to jump up on it, and then he just went face first into the ground- uh, yeah, I was like knocked unconscious. I wake up and everybody laughing at me. I couldn't see straight. I was severely concussed. And all I remember is very like, <laughs> I like call my parents to come pick me up. Don't even act like I'm an asshole. How hard did you laugh when Jay knocked me out of my shoes? <laughs> <laughs> right. But you weren't severely head injured when that happened. I probably was, but I was too stupid to go home. <laughs> what I remember... When Nick's parents showed up, I, I think I walked up to the car. I'm like, I got hurt too. And I did like the, the disappearing finger magic <laughs> trick like where you pull your fingers apart. <laughs> but uh, to get back into this episode. It, wasn't, it definitely wasn't singing when it happened. That's how I remember it. <laughs> <laughs> la la la. <laughs> like <laughs> it was the, like the family guy fall you fell so fast <laughs> yeah i know head first into brick <laughs> i think that's had long-standing issues oh uh, well he hasn't skipped since <laughs> in any event the u-haul finally pulls up to the new apartment and they move to bedstuy which is an area in brooklyn and he says the motto there is bedstuy do or die and you see them look across the street, and there's a few guys who are standing there. One of them spray painting that model like onto the wall of their building. And he's in the in the narration. He's like, "Those are some of the guys who are gonna die." He's like, "Wow." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we get introduced to the family, and he mentions his mother Rochelle, and he said that she had like a hundred different recipes for whooping ass, and goes over all these different ones. You know, like, "Boy, I'll slap the cats off your knees," and a few others that went with that. My favorite was I'll I'll slap your name out of the phone book. Yeah, and I'll, and then I'll call Bell and tell them I didn't do it. <laughs> and uh, we meet the brother Dave, which again not his actual like it's a it's a mixture of his like other five brothers or whatever, and it's his younger brother, but he's bigger than him. I guess in real life the two actors were like the same age, but he's portraying a ten year old here. I've seen his actor brother once. I think he's a comedian too. Clearly much less successful, but he looks a lot like him. He does. You could be much less successful than Chris Rock and still be really successful. So Yeah, (laughs) that's true. Very true. Well, he just did that Netflix uh, first live stand-up special. Chris Rock's got that going for him. He has a lot going for him. Chris Rock's been doing very well for himself. He has. He's in Grown Ups. 
Yep, that the pinnacle of his career, yeah. That's all you have to do is be <laughs> friends with Adam Sandler, and you, you can be successful. Yeah. Yeah, and then also his sister Tanya, who he says will do anything to get him in trouble. And you see her, like, spilling, like, cereal, and then the mom immediately telling Chris that he's the one who has to clean it up. And then we get this montage of his dad going over all these emergency scenarios, because he's the emergency adult when the parents aren't around. And basically, every time it's a different scenario, it's always the house being caught on fire. The one I liked was the last one. He's like, if you smell smoke and your brother catches on fire, get your sister and get out of there. <laughs> it's like, it's too late for him. Move on. I do like how he was afterwards, Chris Rock was like, and thankfully the house never caught on fire or my brother. Yeah. And I know this was how a lot of shows were shot at the time, especially in the early 2000s. And there was a lot of cut scenes. And we've talked about that with other shows we did, like, think grounded for life did a lot of that too but this was a lot of choppy from a spot to a spot to a spot and it the the story flows but it's kind of tough to follow at times because it's moving around so much you guys notice that at all yeah there's a lot of cutbacks we talked about it on new girl too it's just the style for the time like things are just choppy they'll go to a flashback and then they'll show the actual scene and then they'll go to what's going on in the same time somewhere else story 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 I felt like they did it a lot here, though. Like, this yeah. show really dives into that. And I think, yeah. I mean, again, that was the times. They had to get you to know the family in a very short amount of time. This was a pilot. You don't know if pilots are going to take off. Yeah, Fox didn't take it. Right. True. And they produced it, so. We get back to the family, and Chris is trying to walk away, and his dad stops him because he said there's still 30 cents worth of oatmeal left in the bowl. And there's, like, another montage of him going over all different costs of things when he's looking at it. Like, he pulled a piece of chicken out of the trash that wasn't completely ate, and uh, some burnt biscuits, The there was milk that was spilt, and he's always given the exact dollar amount of everything, so you know how tight he is with, with a dollar. My dad was not too far off from this. My dad fit, like, every, like, cheapo trope there was, like, the whole thermostat thing, the wasting food thing. I mean, it's smart when you're, like, that aware of money. I think, you, like, there's yeah. points where you need to be a little loose, but I'm like the opposite in that I'm super irresponsible and don't think about money ever. That's an interesting thing because I I don't think it was my dad's intention, but he my dad was always like a and for the like we, we weren't like dirt poor or anything. It's just the way he was, the way he was brought up. And he just didn't like the idea of wasting money, which I understand. So it was always like a lot of generic stuff and it's all made by the same people, you know what I mean? Like it, it that And a lot of, of it thing. is. <laughs> I know, but yeah. It had the opposite effect because the second I became like an adult and I'm out on my own, I never wanted any of the generic stuff anymore. I'm, right. I'm like, give me all the name brand shit. Give me all this. Like, I never got to have it. So now, like, I went in the other direction way too hard <laughs> and I end up blowing money when in reality, he's probably he was probably right. Like, I probably could get away with getting the cheaper shit most of the time. A hundred percent. It's a mixture. It, it's, it's just picking your spots. You can't be too far in either direction because you got to enjoy life, but you also don't want to be at a point where you're doing what i do and working around the clock to get by because you just don't pay attention to what you're doing at all times and spend money right. like an animal i was gonna say with the generic products it is the same product where they skimp out is the packaging no matter what generic product you get that's where it cheaps out on it depends what you like get. medication especially the, the packaging will be harder to open but yeah next time you look at a generic thing Try and open it and open it next to the name brand. I mean, don't skip out with generic toilet paper. There's a difference. Listen, I bought this soft bunny toilet paper from, I think it's like 
Shaw's or Star Market or whatever it is now because it had fluffy bunnies on it, and it was the most harsh fucking toilet paper. So you've proven my point. <laughs> I like that it worked like a charm, though. Gordo was like, ooh, bunnies are soft. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what I said. I went, bunnies are soft. This will be good. I'm certainly not going to buy this toilet paper with a turtle on it. <laughs> well, now I am. Oh, this hedgehog toilet paper sucks. <laughs> but yeah, Chris's parents are in the dining room now, and his dad's questioning why the mom only paid half of the bill. He's like, I gave you all the money. You only paid half of it. And she got really mad at him for questioning her judgment and tells him, all right, well, you pay from now on. And at the time, and, and we'll get into it later on because there is follow through. Even though she has a reason, and we'll find out later on in the episode, her being defensive, he's asking a very logical question. The bill was $40. I gave you $40. Why didn't you pay the bill? Yeah, no, I mean. No, no, I agree. I think she thinks he's questioning her because he thinks she stole the extra money and spent it on herself. But on the exterior, you can see why he would think that. Yeah, no, I'm saying <laughs> I'm just trying to get into her headspace why she'd get angry about that. And you hear Chris say, my parents taught me love is never having to say, kiss my ass. <laughs> and the next scene, Chris tells us how he was never cool growing up. The coolest thing about him was his pair of white sneakers. And then you see the mom walk by as he's lacing them up on the way to school. And she stops him and he's like, you can't wear those at school. Like, those look raggedy. He said, it's better to be neat and poor than raggedy and rich. He's like, I think she said that because we were poor. He notes that, like, back then... There was a time where you couldn't just wear sneakers everywhere, which is true. And we don't think about it because we grew up in the world where sneakers are pretty appropriate at all times, except for very dressy moments. Now you look rich if you have certain sneakers. Right. Well, because they're very yeah. expensive. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to say, we were kind of right at the tail end of that crossover where you could wear sneakers everywhere. I thought about this, too, and I ended up looking it up. They looked like white Jordans, which... Jordans weren't even out in 1982, I don't think. No, they got that movie coming out about that uh, soon. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we should have waited to do this episode <laughs> just for the sneaker conversation. Well, I mean, white, we, did, we just did Seinfeld a couple weeks ago where he's notoriously always wearing white sneakers. True. You guys should go watch it. Yeah. I'll listen. Yeah, no, I just thought about it. And the only time, I don't care how rich you are or how expensive they are, the, when people wear sneakers with suits, I always hate how that looks. It is very common now. It's the new, like, rich guy thing to do. Like, I'm so rich that I'm wearing these sneakers with my suit. Here's my problem with that. Just stop wearing fucking suits then. Why does everybody need to wear, like, what, what is a suit bringing to the table now? It's just uncomfortable. Find me as somebody who has to wear a suit every day and ask them if they're comfortable. Because they're not. It's not. You're all no. tucked in and fucking taut and it's it, uncomfortable. Suit pants. Suit pants can be pretty comfortable. Some suit pants, yeah. But then you're jamming fucking your dress shirt in there and everything. It's just, I don't know. Like, I think, I've, I think I've discussed this on the podcast before, but I think suits are so outdated, but they're still around. Like, and then you have people, like, if you watch, like, like a football game, like, in between, like, Howie and all them are all doing the sports shoe or the regular shoes with, like, a full suit. It's like, just dress more casually and your shoes will match what you're wearing better. And I don't know. I'm against suits. Let's start it. Let's see. Think we can get the, the movement going? Hey, I promise I won't wear a suit to work tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm for like the European business casual that they, that like is it flies over there where they wear like a collared shirt, a suit coat, but they wear jeans and like 
leatherish like sneakers. You named all the parts that are uncomfortable about a suit. Yeah, you just named a suit without a tie and pants. I thought you were gonna see leather pants for a minute too. I was like, <laughs> it's a weird look. I don't mind the jacket. Like I don't do it at work, but you know, I don't mind it. I don't wear the jackets anymore unless I have to. And like you're working inside. Why are you wearing a jacket? You know? It looks I don't I know. I get chilly. By the way, Jordans came out in nineteen eighty five, the first pair of Air Jordans. You know, the year of our birth. I could be wrong about his shoes too. I'm not positive that they were Jordans. They just looked like those. Well, they couldn't have been because this was 1982. True. In any event, she hands Chris his younger brother's nice shoes to wear to school instead of wearing the sneakers. And it was like, I don't know. Why does the brother have a pair of nice shoes and he doesn't? Yeah, you'd think being the firstborn, he'd have the shoes and pass them down. But maybe because the brother's bigger, they figure they got to get the bigger pair rather than buying. That could be it. A, a small pair, buying two pairs, one for each. Uh, buy the bigger pair for the brother, and Chris will have to make do. Chris will grow into his younger brother's clothes eventually. Yeah. He's like, everyone at school is going to make fun of me. And his mom's like, well, you've only been there a week. No one knows you there yet. He's like, I was the only black kid at the school. They knew me. I thought that was good. And before the kids all leave for school, mom tells Chris that, you know, she's going to be going to work. So when they get home, Chris has to let the younger siblings in. And they go over, like, this whole drill where they don't wake up dad until 5 o'clock. The dad... Leading up until, again, a lot of stuff gets resolved late in the episode, but the dad is, like, portrayed as so strict that it was, I don't know, I thought it brought the tone down at times, like, can't talk near him, have to be super careful of everything, like, it was, there was no comic relief to go with his cheapness at times, so the whole, like, you have to tiptoe around the house. I don't know, he, he never yelled those things at them, he always just explained it like he was giving life lessons. No, I always, no matter how strict the family was, I always felt the love somehow. Yeah. Yeah, I think they were just really trying to just set the atmosphere for his upbringing. And that was the only way to do that aspect of it. And not knowing the future of the show is different for me because this is all I'm basing it on. And again, a lot of things get resolved later on. But my early perception of a lot of this was dad is too strict. But again, yeah, we'll get into that as as we go along and, and you do see it resolved there. They're not tiptoeing around because they think he's going to wake up and freak out on them. It's because he works three no, jobs. No, I mean, I understand that. It's the only time he can sleep. And again, before they leave, she double checks with Chris to make sure he has his bus pass with him. And he's like, oh, yeah, I have it. And as he's like searching through his pockets, he doesn't have it. And she pulls it like out of her bra and hands it to him and says, you know, if you lose this, you're going to be walking to school moving forward. And the bus pass comes into play throughout the episode. This is another thing that they weave throughout. So this was... Making us know the importance of the bus pass here was um, definitely intentional because they come back to it. Yeah, it's also important to note that the brother and sister go to school locally, but Chris has to go to school really far away because the junior high is so dangerous. Yeah, well, because we'll see that in a second, how dangerous the area is. And as they first start walking away, the girl next door is heading out of sc- like to go to school seemingly at the same time. And like you kind of music starts cueing and you and there's a little slow motion and you can tell Chris really likes this girl. And he says, Keisha was the girl next door at 13. I didn't know a lot about sex, but I knew she had something to do with it. And I love that line. Yeah, that was good. As they get close, she immediately says hi to his brother, Drew. And he's like, oh, come on. And it's like, you know, her. and Drew's like, I don't know. They, they portray him as just someone who the girl seemed to like. So it's one of those. It didn't mean much to Drew for her to say hi, but it meant a lot to Chris because Chris has this thing for her. 
And he says that at age 10, Drew could get girls that he couldn't get until he was 30. Yeah, that's what I was like, what? What? Hold up. Well, it's not, <laughs> they're not saying that he was trying to get 10-year-old girls, but I guess the wording was a little off there. But I yeah. don't think, he My wasn't saying. go there. <laughs> yeah. I could see with the wording, but yeah. I mean, I know he didn't mean that. I know he meant it in a, in a different way, but like it, it just immediately like flagged to me and I was like, oh yeah, that, that didn't age well. Could have probably rewrote that. What I think is funny is looking back is you mentioned fresh off the boat earlier. Thinking about that show, it's very similar with the middle brother is the one who's like the ladies man and gets all the girls. It's a very similar dynamic with these three siblings. Fresh off the boat, when did that come out? Much later. Years later. Okay. So this couldn't have influenced. No, if anything, one could have, it could have been the other way around. Gotcha. And then they continue to walk and Chris is going over everything with his siblings that when they get home, they have to wait for him before they can go inside and you can't ring the doorbell. Tanya asks, what if she has to go to the bathroom? And Chris is like, you have to go at school. She's like, I don't want to use the school bathroom. It's dirty. And he's like, well, if you wake up dad, then he's going to punch me in the face. And then I'm going to punch you in the face. And then dad's going to kill me and then go to jail. Do you want dad to go to jail? <laughs> I love that logic. I love that sequence of events. It's, it's smart. It, it was like, don't, don't make me punch you in the face. <laughs> Honestly, it's the only thing that's ever worked on her, too. Well, kind of. She does temporarily listen. In that moment, yeah. We cut to the mother before she's heading out to work, and she's getting the father's dinner ready. And it's his, like, favorite, which is, like, veggies, potatoes, and just a big piece of chicken. And you see, like, the perspective from inside the fridge of her putting it inside. I think that's, again, very of that time, that, like, alternate type of camera angle is definitely, like, early 2000s. Someone's going, oh, this looks good. <laughs> yeah. These directors being, uh, they're innovating the sitcom. Yeah. <laughs> but, and I would have blown past that scene, but again, they, they do a good job of weaving little things throughout the episode that come into play later. So we'll see more about that chicken in time to come. They did a good job making that chicken look delicious. Yeah. yeah. It did look good. Yeah. Fried chicken tonight. Oh, what kind? Fried chicken from Yes Chicken. I still haven't been there. I've been meaning to. It's down the street from my house, and it is dangerous. It is fucking delicious. Sponsor us, yes, chicken. Is this like a new <laughs> chain or like a local? Yeah, there's a couple of. I don't want. Yeah, I don't want to get too regional because I think it's just like a local thing, so we can't get too into it. But we'll we'll talk off air about some uh, local fried chicken establishments that we need to check out. Again, at this point, I had noted as I was going along that again, th there's all payoffs, but I thought the pacing of the show was really weird. I don't know, it was really throwing me off. And this was the other time where I'm like, just a lot of quick cuts. And I'm like, why is this happening in this order? They could, they could kind of weave some of these scenes together in a more fluent way without having to do like the chop, chop, chop. But I don't know, maybe it was just me because you guys didn't seem to have the same issues with it I did. But it was definitely something I kept noting. It's just the time. It's people's attention span is so minuscule now. They hit you with bam, 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 bam scene just to keep your interest. But it's funny because I feel like this whole style, and we've covered a lot of shows from this era now, it was very of that early 2000s, and sitcoms are starting to revert back to the more classic style. In this time period? Like modern day, I feel like we're getting back to it now. We see a lot of cinematic type of shows too now on the rise, but I think we are seeing a, like an influx of that classic sitcom again too that was kind of going away at that time. That's because around this time was the re resurgence of Family Guy, where it had been taken off and... Everyone knew about it again in the early 2000s. 
But do you think Family Guy had that much of a cultural impact on like all live action shows? I think it did because its success was huge. The fact that it's still on. And- yeah, you're thinking about Family Guy as you know it now, but like when Family Guy came out, its real only other competition was The Simpsons, as far as like cartoon sitcoms. Yeah, and goes. South Park. South Park. Yeah, was, South was Park. Big but at that point. yeah, I don't know. South Park just feels different, even though I know it is in the same realm. Yeah, I mean those three shows though were pretty revolutionary, I guess. For sure. Yeah, and I mean, you you've said it. That this is what all the all the shows were like in the early part of the 2000s. But I forget who said it. If it was Jay or Ferg about the the cutting down of the attention span, that was before all of that. Well, yeah, but this would be the this would be them adapting to that. Yeah, I actually borrowed that from basketball. <laughs> yeah, but was that happening at that time? Because I don't think so. I don't think that that it was happening, happening far before then, and it continued to this day. Yeah, it's still a thing today. It's why it, TikToks is so popular. It's, yeah, everyone wants quick instant gratification. And we say this in the long format podcast we do. But yeah, from there we get to the morning routine for Chris, where we see the two buses that he has to take every day. As he's getting on the first bus, he asks, like, was the junior high school across the street really that bad? And then you instantly hear gunshots and you see like everyone on the bus get down, but he's like still standing there. He says, like rock and roll, school shootings were also invented by blacks and stolen by the white man. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the part with the, the gunshot when he's on the bus is when I first like really noticed how expressive the kid who plays Chris is. When I did the second one, I noticed the same. When she wakes him up, he just he sells things with his eyes. Oh, yeah. The, the very first yeah. time you see him is when he gets woken up by his mom. Yeah. He's just a really good like physical comedy actor. For a very young age. He, if it, and if it were up to Chris Rock, he would not be on the show either. I saw that. I thought he was too really? good looking. Yeah. He, I guess Chris <laughs> Rock had a very low opinion of how he looked as a child and was much uglier. And he thought this kid, he was just like, he's just too handsome for the role. Like, I think it'll he's be. He's not like hateable. Right. Which I yeah. guess is right. Like, you look at the kid and you do like him. There's nothing like to hate about him. But he's not written as a, as a character you should dislike either. And luckily, the network was like, sorry, this is the kid. Like, yeah. <laughs> because we're nah, take this ugly kid. <laughs> <laughs> when you see him on the buses, I assumed at first when they went over the bus pass and stuff that he was going to get it on like a school bus. I wasn't even thinking about the idea of him getting on public transit. And it was weird because when I see him, he looks so young. But when I think back, like when we were 13 years old, it was not abnormal for us to take a bus or a train anywhere. But I don't know if it's us being older or him looking young now, but to see him on a bus with a bunch of adults seems so weird to me at the time. Yeah, it's just a perspective thing. Like you said, we did it. I'm sure we looked weird. I mean, I rode the train for a real long time, and you don't see kids that young alone on the train almost ever, unless they're in like Times a have group. changed, too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you see them actually around, Chris, around school time. If you go in like downtown Boston, you see people coming from school. Like, so that's not unheard of. Yeah. And again, we did it, but I do think the recreational kids going in and out of cities and stuff like has changed as again, not to sound like an old man, but as kids just play video games and do stuff on their phone all the time. Now there really is less going out and doing stuff. It's kind of crazy, but it is a real. Also when we did it though, we rode the bus around our square mile suburban town where He's riding it through a city. No, but at that time, we were taking the train right into the main city and stuff, like, at that same age. So, that's right when we started. 
to get some Wendy's because it was the closest one we could get to. It was the only Wendy's in town. Yeah. It was such a treat. Now it's terrible. And at the time, Wendy still had the chicken Caesar pita, which doesn't exist anymore. That was like the only thing I used to get back then. Chicken Caesar pita? I used to get the spicy chicken sandwich, and I used to get the baked potato with cheese and bacon. Their baked potatoes are good. I don't yeah. get them anymore because I don't think about it. I don't go to Wendy's that yeah. often. But... Do they still have them? Yeah, yeah, they do. But it's like when you're going and you're like, all right, I want like a burger and fry. Like you don't want a, a whole burger and then a whole potato too, even though I guess eating a thing of fries is similar to eating a whole potato. But it's it's the way you consume it. Yeah, it's not easy to consume. Yeah, you got to like sit down and fidget with the potato in your car. Do you guys remember back then every Wendy's had a salad bar? Every Wendy's had one? Yeah. Every Wendy's had a salad bar in it. It was part of their like advertising and stuff. I do remember the Wendy's we would go to in Boston had two floors, and I thought that was really cool. We would just go downstairs and eat and cause a ruckus. Then we'd go upstairs and go to strawberries. <laughs> and steal everything. <laughs> when we see him on the second of the two buses that he was on, he mentions that being the only black person on the bus, no one wanted to sit next to him. And you see this pregnant woman who's like just avoiding sitting there he's the only available seat is the one next to him and she doesn't want to sit down and they don't play it too like mean towards him but it's just kind of a silent thing like we know why no one's sitting there and in the in the narration he says if you think she's mad now wait till her daughter brings home oj and i was like yikes so now chris is at school and he explains that his mother figured he'd be safer if he went to a white school and he's like wrong and we meet joey caruso who looks like the long-lost O'Doyle from the Adam Sandler movies. <laughs> he does look like an O'Doyle. I thought he looked like the kid from the bench warmers. He also looks like the friend from Fresh Off the Boat. Oh, yeah. I will say, I've seen the bench warmers, but I have not seen it 80,000 times like you have, so I, that's not the first place I draw from for cultural reference. I've seen it a good amount of times. I don't remember any redheads. Oh, I know who he's talking about. I don't think he's a redhead, though. He's not a redhead. He's not a redhead, but he looks like the kid. Okay. So chubby. Chubby and gets farted on. As they walk past each other, the kid Caruso like steps on Chris's shoe and like, you know, scuffs it intentionally. Says, nice shoes, Bojangles. Again, it was like, I mean, I, we're portraying what real situations I'm sure he was dealing with. So yeah. but to hear that right off the bat, I'm like, oh, like all racist stuff sounds so uncomfortable to me. Yeah. He's like, Bojangles, that's not what your mother called me when I was tap dancing with her draws last night. <laughs> Am I the only one that thought it was going to just cut to reality? Like, I should have said that. Um, No, actually, I, I wasn't thinking that in the moment. Because it gets quick with the narration where he explains why he's, he did it. Because he knows he can't beat him. But he's like, you know, if I didn't say something now, he was going to do this all year. And he's like, if I can't beat him, I might as well try to out-black him. <laughs> and <laughs> then, like, you see him, like, just going on and on. He's giving this kid a ton of shit. But to no surprise, it ends with him getting a punch to the gut. And as soon as Chris gets hit, he, like, kind of like falls back into the new principal who's as luck would have it standing right behind him that principal was like a really tough read like i couldn't figure him out he's also like seven feet tall i didn't know how they if it was how they shot it but like he was so tall i was like i don't know if i'm supposed to like this guy or not you reminds me of the principal from back to the future you're a slacker your, your father's a slacker in the beginning when he first bumps into him i thought the principal was going to be racist too uh, yeah, I think that's probably what they expected you to think. He basically tells Caruso that he needs to be more like Chris. He's noting that Chris is dressed better and he looks like he's here to learn. And then he turns to Chris before he leaves and says, 
don't bump into me again, which I thought was a really weird note for the end of that. Yeah, because it was like pick a lane, like you're defending him and then you're shitting on him. I don't, yeah, I didn't really get it. Yeah, like you know he got shoved into you or punched into you essentially. So like why, why that? It was like a really weird note to end on. And I, I don't know. It was just strange. As the principal leaves, Crusoe says, this isn't over, hard N-word. And I don't know if that got bleeped on television or not, or if they let it slide because of why it was used, but... That also definitely wasn't in my version. Now, I watched the dry version. It was on that one. Yeah, it was on that one. Ferg, were you awake when you hit play? <laughs> yeah, I was at work. You were <laughs> definitely asleep. Interesting. That, um, so maybe you saw the, like televised cut and maybe we saw the dvd version i think that was edited out it was no n-word the, the bojangles part was in yeah i was wondering if they used that on television as is or if they bleeped it and chris says in narration like he got away with saying it that day but later in life he said it at a dmx concert and he almost got stomped to death <laughs> i like i like that insight to the future of um this kid caruso i wonder if that's a real story it's interesting for sure. And it's in you it's like you know that this kid doesn't have redeeming qualities and he sucks as an adult too. Yeah, right. I remember there was an episode I saw where like Chris gets in trouble cuz that kid keeps throwing D batteries at him. I don't remember how, why Chris gets in trouble for getting batteries thrown at him, but like that that, that bully like I I expect cuz a lot of shows now the bully gets redeemed and like then they become friends. No, that kid's a dick throughout the show. You really can't come back from flagrant racism. You know what I mean? There's not going to be a, a turn yeah. there. When the first time you ever meet the character, he goes with the N-word. Like, yeah. No, mod modern sitcoms, you do. They're forced to do a project together. He has to go to his house. You find out his dad's a racist, and he's forcing him yeah. to be like this. And then he's like, no, dad. I, Chris is actually a pretty cool kid. Uh. <laughs> Basically, the plot of American History X. <laughs> <laughs> And then one day they get on laundry duty together and everything changes. <laughs> As the hallway's clear, we meet this kid named Greg. They, they kind of like briefly interact and you can tell that this character is going to be Chris's best friend moving forward in the show because they just kind of instantly click. And Chris kind of says, this isn't the guy I would have picked as my best friend, but you know, like kind of here we are. We, we both got beat up a lot. So it, it, you know, unified us. And as they walk down the hall, Chris asks him, Hey, if that's the new principal, what happened to the old one? We get this flashback to the old principal being escorted out of the school by two police officers. And he says, Mr. Palmer was accused of doing something that we can't tell you about because of network census. The school settled the lawsuit out of court and he's not allowed to teach anymore. If he moves to your neighborhood, you'll get a warning. <laughs> and I like how as he's saying this, the teacher is like flamboyantly like running away from the cops, like almost like a arrested development style. Well, how about that? That's two weeks in a row with a rapey principal. Or rapey teachers, at least. That's yeah. That's true. Yeah. Remember Happy Days, the coach? And uh, I was, I was going to say, the, the principal, too, the old principal, you look, like, super familiar. He's one of those guys who's just in everything. I know him mo mainly from, it was one of the Oceans movies. He was the guy that they, he was the one reviewing the hotel, and they ended up, like, ruining his experience, so he would give them less than five stars but then they let him win at the lottery machine at the end. That's like what I know him from. And then he played someone's dad on a show that I think we did. I just can't remember what show. It's, a, it's the second Oceans movie, I remember. I just can't put a name of the face. I don't think I know his name, honestly. 
he's just one of those guys who's done a ton of stuff. I'm trying to remember what it would be that I know him best from, but he's been on a ton of things. Just looking at it right now, he was on a few episodes of Will and Grace. He did a few episodes of Everybody Hates Chris. He actually was in seven episodes, so his character comes back. That's interesting. Boston Common. He was on Boston Common for a while. <gasps> I love Boston Common. So he's been in a bunch of stuff. So we've seen his face. He's one of those guys who kind of goes from show to show. But yeah, I thought that whole scene, the, the flashback to that was very funny. I like how they attacked it in that they, they don't tell you what he did, but it's very clear what he did. And that's it. And I find it very interesting that they bring the character back because I don't know where you go from there when you talk about him being basically someone who is assaulting children. Yeah. And then from there, we cut back to the dad at the house and he's trying to pay the bills. And the mom stops him when she sees that he's trying to pay the entire bill in full. And says, this is why I don't let you pay the bills. So I like that at this point, we at least see that they're revisiting it because like I said earlier, it was so confusing to me why they had that argument. So at least now we know Here's the middle. We're going to get a payoff later because they're addressing it a second time. So that was, that was good for the progression of the story. Uh, sorry, just cut in. But the old principal plays Dave's dad on Dave. That's what it was, which we have done. Oh, that's right. And now next we're on lunch break and Chris is outside and he's about to cross the street to grab a slice of pizza, which I was always very jealous of schools that you could just leave the school like that. It was all schools. It was just the time that which we went to school, you couldn't do it. Like, yeah. unless other schools could do it when we were in school, and now I wish we could. I mean, we did it anyway. Yeah, but when we were of driving age in high school, we weren't allowed to even, like, leave during our lunch break to go get food somewhere. Hey, you were locked into the school, like, when we were there. You weren't allowed to do fucking anything. He's crossing the street, and as you'd expect, he runs into that Caruso kid again, who, like, shoves him right down to the ground, and like his buddies scoop up his money and bus pass and he's getting up and he's like, give me back my bus pass. And the kid's like, Oh, if you want it, take it you. And I think he was going to drop another N word right there, but he gets stopped because the principal happens to walk by. And then he says to him that we'll settle this after school. And he calls him Satchmo, which is a trumpet player. Yeah. It's Louis Armstrong. I know that because of, um, the Rugrats. Oh, <laughs> Okay. They're looking for the Sasquatch, but they keep saying Satchmo. It's weird in that it was like, for him to say it was racist, but it's like not, it's like, it's on the weird line of racist. Because it's like a really successful person. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to figure out the Satchmo line, but thank you for clearing that up. Yeah, it's just, it's Louis Armstrong. I think that's because of the shoes. I, I think the kid's just racist. Yeah, I think it was just picking a black guy. Louis Armstrong, first trumpeter on the moon. <laughs> Trumpet wouldn't work on the moon. There's no sound in space. Oh, have you been there? From there, it's like fight time. And it looks like it's happening in this little back alleyway that's made specifically for school fights. And Chris tells <laughs> yeah. his buddy that, you know, oh, these things never last long. You know, someone always breaks it up. So as long as they get the first punch in, then we'll be all set. And it was like, that's not the logic of a child in this moment. Like, he's thinking <laughs> no, too no. clearly. If you were 13 and about to get into a fight, you're not. You're not that smart. I love the uh, like the SpongeBob esque like three hours later. Yeah, <laughs> and it cut, it was like I think they did it was thirty minutes, right? Yeah, and he's just still getting beat up. Yeah, and like you said, he runs up and he basically hits this kid immediately. He socks him pretty good. He gets him on the ground, but then when the kid gets up and starts hitting Chris, he's just like gut punching him over and over again. And like you said, we get this like it's a weird montage because you see like the sun rising and time moving on a clock. 
of flower buds. Yeah, like the <laughs> roses blooming. And it was like I really liked how I they got went a good like it. out loud belly laugh at that like cut yeah. scene. It was really funny. Yeah. yeah. I'll tell you what too. This was like my favorite aspect of the show because in every single instance on TV where there's the main character and then there's the main character's bully, right? The main character never stands up to the bully. There's like that crescendo moment where they eventually do, but I like how Chris is always he's just like no fuck you and is constantly in the bully's face. He doesn't back down even though he knows he'll probably lose. It was just different because you always see the running away from the bully, always trying to avoid the fight with the bully. And Chris is just like right in it all the time, which was just like a new aspect to that kind of scenario. You know why though? Because although he's scared of the bully, he's a lot more afraid of his mother. Yeah, r- and yeah, the kid true. stole his bus pass. That's what he. Yeah, that's a good point. That was, there was like a motive behind his. And he's got to walk all the way home. I feel like if he didn't stick to his plan, he probably would have won that fight. But he hit him and then stood back. Yeah, because the kid did go right down. And I think also it's a matter of how you portray the character in a way that in he's trying to portray that he got bullied in real life, that that's a thing. But also he's not a nerd. So if he doesn't stand up to the guy, the character just comes off as super nerdy. So you need to have that little bit of a redemption there so you know that the reality of the situation. No, that's true. My favorite part of this scene is all the kids, like uh, like they were in like Fight Club or something, like all yeah. hanging from like the chain link fence. <laughs> yeah. As it cuts in and out, you're seeing like the zoom in on the kids, like with the rah, rah, rah. Everyone's excited for the fight. I mean, we all did that when we were kids. If you found out there was a fight, you'd go to, to watch it. Anybody else get a Hey Arnold vibe from this show a little bit? It's like a live action a, Hey Arnold. A few times. Times. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I. I liked while he's getting punched 30 minutes later, and he's like, is anybody going to break this up? And you just see the police officer <laughs> walk by and look over and just go, nah. He just keeps going. He's going, yeah. Boys will be boys. But finally, Chris does get a good break in where he stomps on the kid's foot and is able to grab the bus pass out of the pocket, and he starts just beelining it out there. He's trying to catch his bus, and everybody that was watching the fight's chasing him. Wait, when he's running down the street just screaming and they're all chasing him, I was fucking dying. And the bus driver is like, he's watching this happen through the side view mirror. And it's not, not that he doesn't want to wait for him. I but couldn't figure out what the bus driver was doing here. It was weird. He, he's like, he acknowledges it, but he's not, he's trying to keep time. Cause he mentioned like, I'm on a schedule. So he's going, he's like rooting for the kid in a way, but not in a way that's going to make him late. No, I don't think he's rooting for him because he goes, you won't get, you won't get it tomorrow. It was like a, he like kind of bet him because right at, right at like the zero hour, because you even have another customer say like, hey, that kid's trying to get on. He's like, yeah, I see him. It, it seemed like he wanted to drive away without him. And I don't understand. Yeah. Well, like at the, at like the final second, as the door is shutting, Chris is able to get his arm in and like the door shuts on his arm. His scream when his hand gets caught in the door made me laugh. <laughs> I was like, ah! <laughs> I just think that's a trope, the bu- the angry bus driver. Think about yeah. like Billy Madison. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I guess I didn't I wasn't viewing him as trying to go against them, but maybe he was, and that maybe that's why he shut it right when he was like an inch away because he thought it'd be funny. How did he try to go against it? I just don't think he likes anybody. I think that's the character. And I don't know if that's like a recurring thing where because he, he tells him like, Oh, I bet I won't you won't make it tomorrow. He's like, I bet I will, and he shows him the bus pass. So who knows? I, I don't know if that's a recurring thing or not. Again, this is my first episode. 
And after he finally gets on the bus, when he's coming off, he's like, I was still hungry, but I was almost home. What could go wrong now? And you just see the sister outside of the house just screaming, daddy, daddy, trying to get him to wake up so to let them in. Even though they were instructed, wait for Chris to get home and then he's going to let everybody in. Borrow one from uh, Goro's book. I wanted to punch a kid at this scene. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> like, like, you little asshole. <laughs> My whole thing with this is, why can't all three of them have a key? That I did think of that. Because they're young and they're irresponsible. Chris has one because he's the oldest. Yeah. I think that's really all it is. The, well, my only thing with that is, so, so I agree with Ferg because you wouldn't, you typically give a kid that young keys to the house, but we've also established that they live in a somewhat dangerous area. Yeah. And it was weird because the whole, the whole premise is we moved out of the projects to here and then you hear shootings and you can't go to the nearby school. So like, are you really out of the projects? They moved out of the project to, they didn't want the handout. The mother's too proud. It wasn't a dangerous thing. Also, we didn't really talk about it, but I, I noticed it back when he was, when they were arguing about what shoes he was going to wear. The apartment layout is strange, right? Because it looks like for Chris to go up to his bedroom, he has to leave his parents' like main part of the apartment, go into the public area of the apartment building, and go upstairs to where his bedroom is it's weird because like they have like a front door that leads into the living room and that's where she came out of while he was coming down the stairs which just looked like public stairs but is it like two separate rooms in an apartment building that are bedrooms and living i didn't understand the layout at all it was really confusing i wonder if that's one of those things where they weren't they didn't block the shot ahead of time like they weren't thinking about it too much and then, like, later on resolved it with the layout of the house. Yeah, maybe. You know, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we should set this up better. <laughs> uh, 20 years from now, kids are going to have a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I call those kids. We're fucking 30. <laughs> the other thing I wanted to mention, too, before they get into the house is they do cut as he's walking home before we see the sister yelling. And you see his shoes are pretty messed up. They're very, very dirty. Look like beyond repair. To flash forward again, though, to the sister screaming. Chris runs up and covers her mouth. She says that she has to go to the bathroom. And as we know earlier, he said, make sure you go at school. But she didn't want to go at school because the bathroom's dirty. Commendable. No, not commendable. Like, go to the bathroom. Don't hold it in all day. Easy for you to say. We're, we're dudes. We can pee standing up. She has to sit on that dirty-ass toilet. I don't blame her. Hover. What if you were in a bubblegut situation and it was a dirty toilet for her? Would you hold it? Yeah, I'd hold it. Gas station it. You wouldn't hold it if you had the bubble guts. You can't hold the bubble gut situation. That's, That's the whole like thing. the downside of the bubble gut. Don't underestimate the power of my butthole. <laughs> I did That's... once and I never will again. <laughs> That's... That's a t-shirt. <laughs> the bionic butthole. That's right. <laughs> so he eventually unlocks the door and he, and he lets them in. And he says, you know, you can go to the bathroom, but you have to be super quiet. You see, again, how important it is to keep dad asleep. When she gets out of the bathroom, Chris rushes in right after her and, like, puts blankets and pillows over the toilet like a silencer <laughs> so that the, the sound of the flushing doesn't wake up the dad. I had no idea what he was doing, and then when I realized, I was like, wow, <laughs> this kid is committed to keeping his dad in bed. By the way, did you guys notice that there were, like, those rug things that you put over the toilet? It was on the toilet? Yeah, it was actually on the tank, but it wasn't a seat cover. It was like a tank cover. Oh, no, I did not notice that, no. 
It was like a crocheted t- toilet tank cover. <laughs> like, you know those stretchy, like, rugs that you put over the toilet seat cover? Well, it's funny you bring that up. I actually almost ordered one of those recently because I wanted to change my bathroom up a little bit. And I thought, I'm not going to buy a whole new toilet, but if I get a black one on the white toilet, it'll make the room look a little different. <laughs> yeah, but then you got poopy that collects in it. No, it goes on no. top of the tank. What do you shit on your tank? You you go no. in the bowl, Gordo. Put the lid down when you flush? You said the tank. Yes, do you put the lid down when you flush? The tank? He's saying particles. I think he's saying particles yes. when the water's flushing. It's pooticles? Yeah, pooticles. If you, if you watch Mythbusters, they do it. If you flush the toilet... You didn't watch this episode then because they proved that stuff in your bathroom has no more fecal matter on it than the rest of your house. I, I think that <laughs> we need to go to the tape. We need to go to the tape. There's your clip, Jay. Yeah, if you guys want to do a, a Mythbusters watch along later. What? You want to bet? Do you want to never have an episode? You want to lose a show? I, I'm, listen, I'm the poo man. If there's one thing I put a show up for, it's, it's poo. <laughs> We'll, uh, we'll, we'll follow you guys up with a, in, in the future with uh, how this resolves. So now Chris enters his father's room, and we see the dad asleep, like, on the bed over the sheets in his full uniform, which was this way that when he wakes up, he's already ready to go. I've done that. That doesn't save time, though. You're still getting ready either before or after. You're just less groggy, I guess. It's easier when you can just run out the door instead of having to do each step. Yeah, but as we, well, we'll see it in a, in a few, but he doesn't run right out. And we'll get into that in a minute. But Chris is sneaking in the room because he's trying to, like, get the, like, the shine kit that's in his dad's closet. And now we see him in his own bedroom trying to, like, do everything in his power to, like, clean these shoes up. He's even, like, rubbing Vaseline all over them. Is that a thing? I didn't know if that was a thing to, like... I don't think it was Vaseline, was it? I think it was, like, the wax that came Yeah, I thought it was, like, a wax for his shoes. Because... He went in into his dad's closet. I assumed his dad had like a shoe shine kit or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. He took the box out. I guess in a sense, Vaseline would work in that instance, right? Well, I think it is Vaseline because he's using the shoe shine kit. And then he said, but I'll try anything. And it's right when yeah. it's the Vaseline part. Okay. Maybe it is then. Yeah. And he says that uh, you might not think messing up a $40 pair of shoes is a big deal, but you have to realize my father spent $65 on the car. And... As this is happening, though, I can't help but notice he's making such a mess trying to clean the shoes that he's doing over $40 worth of damage, just like his pants are covered in shit, the towel's ruined. So, you know, even if you fix the shoes, it's going to be, you still had a net loss when all is said and done. I mean, he's just like, he can't see the trees through the forest at this point. He's just so focused on fixing the shoes he fucked up. I was going to point out that after that car joke, I verbally said, I get it, you're poor. Because it's really been drilled in at this point. Yeah. And I'm sure there's going to be plenty of that in every episode. Yeah. When he finally does finish cleaning the shoes up, he puts like the, he like buries the towel at the bottom of the hamper so it's not noticed and heads over to the kitchen and he takes his dad's food from the fridge and starts eating the chicken. Nothing hurt me more than this. It's <laughs> like, no, you did everything yeah. right. And that's the thing, because I think up until this point, like I said before, the way we we see the father, you would assume he's going to explode because like they have to like walk on eggshells around him. And, and as you guys said, it not like he's being mean and yelling, but the way I'm seeing everything up until now, him eating his dinner after having to tiptoe around the house all day, like I'm like, this kid's screwed. Yep. 
it gets spoken about later. So we find out later in the episode he doesn't know that it was his dad's. But what did he think it was? Like, it doesn't make any sense that he could have thought it was anything but. The way they make it sound like later is if there's a meal for each of them with other chicken, but there's nothing else. It's just the father's dish in there. So I don't know. I'm with you. I don't know what he could have thought it was. But yeah, as soon as he did it, I'm like, no, don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so five o'clock finally hits and he wakes up his dad and his dad's like, is it five? Are you sure it's not 459? Like he doesn't want to get out of bed at all. And even has to check with Chris to see like which job he's heading to. And I mean, I think that's a sign of to, to tell us how much this guy's working. So you see that this guy does do everything he can to provide. So he doesn't even know where he's going at this point. He's just waking up and heading on. Hence why they're, they're so cautious around him when he's sleeping. Because it's probably the only time that he can sleep. Right, because he's in between, like, he's out of one job, going to the next job. There's, uh, you see him in different uniforms, too, throughout, and I forgot to mention this earlier. One of the times where they're going over the bill thing, he's wearing a shirt that's, like, it's a hotel shirt, but it's the hotel from The Shining. I don't know if you guys have read that that was a thing. But... I guess they do that a lot throughout this show, and there's a lot of little hidden, like, references to other popular... Like weird Easter eggs? Yeah. Damn, I wish I noticed that. I don't know if it was called like the Outlook Hotel. I can't remember. It's it's the Outlook. Yeah. The mother calls. She's just checking in with Chris to make sure that he woke up father at five o'clock. And she says, okay, now grab the plate out of the fridge and put it in the oven. And that's when we find out or he finds out that he ate his dad's dinner. And again, like, I don't know how he didn't understand that that was for his father because there was just one plate there, not like a, a bunch of them. But it is what it is. He was starving. He didn't eat all day. So, you know, his hungry brain just let him believe what he wanted to. Weird thing. Why would you put the plate in there for your father? Like, he could do that himself. Well, it's to help out because he's probably, well, he is already ready for work. Yeah, but he just woke up. Yeah. I guess the smart move is you tell him to put the plate in like 10 minutes before you wake him up so it's ready when he gets out because he's already dressed. He doesn't have to get dressed. But yeah, it's just that every second of his dad's life is accounted for. He's got the three jobs. He sleeps when he can he's gonna get up eat and go yeah and we cut to him eating now and he just has like the tiniest piece of like chicken it's like this little mini drum he's like eating it like very delicately and at one point he holds it up next to his thumb just so you can see how small it is the size of his thumb yeah and from there like now the mom's home and you see her in the room with chris like basically scolding him over eating the food and chris narrates why he's basically just saying that the father if he doesn't eat, he's going to be in a bad mood when he's at work, and he might say something to his boss and get him fired, and then if he gets fired, they're moving back to the projects. And he's basically saying that it's not that the mother's mad at me, per se, but it's more like she's trying to protect him because of, you know, he needs this to go to work. And at the end, she she notes, like, oh, at least you didn't mess your shoes up, and you cut over to the shoes, and they look perfect. I wasn't expecting that. I thought they were going to look like shit. Yeah, I thought they were just going to look like they had Vaseline smeared all over them. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of wasn't expecting, like, everything he did to work. Now we have the parents at the table, and they're going over the bill thing again. And she tells them, you know, you need to learn how to work the system, the debt system. She says she runs the house the way they run the country, and she's going into all this detail about why she pays things in the way she does and in the order she does them to make sure that this bill isn't paid until... You get paid, and then so you have enough money to pay for food, and if you don't do this, you're going to have to work more overtime. And she's like, you don't want to work more overtime, right? And he's like very confused because it's, a, it's like a complicated puzzle to make all the pieces work. 
And essentially the idea is we have to be in debt. Otherwise we won't have any money. It's the only way we can survive. And he's like, well, why didn't you just tell me that to begin with? And she's like, because you didn't ask. They have like a nice moment here. And again, now that we're in like kind of like the end of the episode, they're really tying a lot of stuff together. Here it's good because it resolved this problem. And you see him like, he calls her babe and then he calls her pookie. And she's like, don't you pookie me. Last time you called me pookie, I got pregnant. And he's like, well, you're my pookie. <laughs> it's like, okay, maybe just a little pookie. And they start to kiss. Like, I think this was like, they had, they had really good chemistry, I would say, especially for episode one. Like, I mean, come who's off, not like, going to have good chemistry with Terry Crews? He is very handsome. True. Terry Crews in my head is at all times just somewhere peck popping and screaming. <laughs> <laughs> now, before he goes to his late night job, he, we hear from Chris that he always checks up on you know, all the kids before he leaves. Chris happens to be up, though, when he opens the door. So when he opens up, Chris apologizes to his dad for eating the big piece of chicken. He says he was still hungry. And the dad's like, well, now I'm hungry. He tells him, hey, next time, just have a little bit extra at breakfast time. And he slips him a few bucks and he tells him, like, don't tell your mother about this. I thought this was a really good scene because, you know, I kept saying it. I thought the dad was portrayed too strict and stern early on. And I know it was to provide, but this really I really get him. that vibe, honestly. I did. So when I watched it. Also, him giving him the money, knowing how after they've driven in how cheap he is, that really right. shows how much he loves him. Exactly. Yeah. So him giving him a couple bucks and like being understanding that he was hungry, like maybe that was a moment for him to reflect too. Like maybe I'm a little too tight with how much I'm giving everybody. So I, I just thought that this was a really good scene for them and the dynamic between father and son. I thought he needed that scene. Again, I know I read it differently than you guys, but I thought that was a really good dynamic for them to end on with the two of them. And he asked him if everything was okay at school. You get through Chris Rock's narration that, like, I didn't tell my dad about the fight. And he basically explains that his dad grew up in the Civil War era. was getting hit with hoses and everything. Civil the rights, and... not Civil War. Civil rights. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Both of which much worse, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Civil rights era. And he's... And he's basically saying in so many words that my dad dealt with things way worse than a schoolyard fight. So it just didn't seem worth it to bring it up to him. Um, I still think he could have. Like, I don't think he's he had to tell his dad about the fight in like a woe is me way. But they have a nice moment here. And he said, my father wasn't the type to say I love you. He was one of four fathers on the block. And he said, I'll see you in the morning. And when he says that, he says he's coming home. And coming home is his way of saying I love you. That, again, just, you know, it tells you about, like, how things were in his area. And just yeah. to have a dad to come home to every day, yeah, he might have been busy a lot. He might have been tight with his money. But just the fact that he had his dad was, at least he was there, yeah. like, a blessing to be in that area and be able to say that. Before he leaves, he does tell him to unplug the clock. He's like, you can't read time while you're asleep. <laughs> tells him two, two cents, cents a minute. <laughs> I mean, if you need an alarm clock, you certainly do need it running while you're asleep. Ah, that's what mom's for. The close is, you hear the mom from outside the room yelling, what the hell happened to my towel? <laughs> so, and I would, I would imagine that that towel buried a lot, like with all the shit that was on it. Ruined everything else too. It would ruin everything else yeah, too as yeah. it's on its way down. And yeah, that was the conclusion of the episode. And, and like I said, I, I think the way that that all panned out was really good. I, I think all those buttons, finding out, you know, why she pays the bills the way she pays them. Having him give his son a couple yeah. of bucks it tightened up the family and it made you realize how close they were because they just felt like a dysfunctional, chaotic family at times. And, or even why the mother was being stripped with him about eating the father's dinner. 
And when he narrated about that and explained like, you know, it wasn't about me. It was just about trying to protect him. Right. So I thought they did a really good job of really like letting you see the family dynamic for what it really is. And um, even though things are tough that like they do really care about one another. And they're trying to over glorify any part of it. Yeah. Like times were yeah. tough and he's not going to pretend, or, you know, otherwise a sugarcoat it. Like it was what it was. But you know, at the end of the day, they, they, yeah, they love each other. I mean, that was the whole episode. I don't know if you guys have much else to say about the show in general. I really don't have much because I don't have anything else to go on. This was the first time I ever saw it. The only question, uh, it's not really anything to add. It was just a question that I don't know if you guys saw online in your research. I didn't get to look for it. But did this kind of run its course, this show, or did it get canceled? I don't know. It had, like, an okay run, but I didn't see, like, what the final demise of what the show was. Because it had four seasons, which... It's not a bad run, but I'm sure that's not what you hope for. Like, if you know your show is working out, uh, all it took was a, a a five second Google search. The show ended prematurely by being canceled because Chris Rock decided to finish the show on his own terms. He said the show had reached its peak regarding his own life story and how he wanted to tell his fans. So it sounds like the network had planned on letting this go, and Chris Rock oh. was just kind of like, "No, like I don't want to do this anymore." Which is interesting. And as it looks, it looks like they're actually going to have a animated reboot. And that's going to be called Everybody Still Hates Chris. And it's going to be released on Comedy Central and Paramount Plus. Interesting. Ooh. Everything good's on Paramount Plus. Have you gotten it yet? I know you've been talking about it for a while. I know. I can't pull, pull the trigger. Ferg has been talking about this since the Superior Donuts episode. I don't know what number that was, but... It was a while ago. Hey, the Halo TV show's on there. Yeah. Halo? I yeah. bad things. Yeah, but you didn't watch it, so you can't make the opinion for yourself. I've seen it. It's good. Have you met him? <laughs> yeah, I know. Ferg's like, well, Rotten Tomatoes says it sucks, so fuck. Oh, that. I never go by Rotten Tomatoes, mister. <laughs> I'm not going to go by something that was a joke when we were little, and suddenly everybody takes super serious now that we're adults. Well, listen here, Buster. <laughs> listen, listen here, pal. Can I be honest? I have no idea what the tomato meter means. I don't know if that means the movie's good or bad. So it goes by the old trope that, like, if you were on stage and doing bad, they would throw tomatoes. And then, like, so Rotten Tomatoes was basically, you know, they were telling you when movies sucked or not. And it yeah. was kind of like a satire website at first, and then it became a legitimate way of scoring things. So now it's like, you know, even on your cable box, it'll tell you the tomato meter scoring for a movie when you're watching. Although, if you notice now, when you see those things, Things that used to use the tomato meter, uh, IMDb is taking over the ratings. I was about to say that I go by IMDb more than Rotten Tomato. Interesting. I guess before we close out with the Green Ladder cancel, I want to do a second worth of homework now because now I want to see what the IMDb rating is for Everybody Hates Chris as a whole is a 7.5, and the Everybody Hates Chris Rotten Tomato score is. While you're doing this, we should do these scores more often. Yeah, we probably uh, yeah. should. We should probably do that at the beginning of the show. Yeah, do you guys want to take a quick guess? I'm going to guess 79%. They do percentages, right? Seven, Yeah, 7.5, which we, we can call a 75 on um, IMDb. Rotten Tomatoes scores it. I'll give you both. I'll give you the average uh, critic score and the audience score. But if you guys want to guess. They do end up at 12%. Yeah. 79. They do end up going lower, I see, for the most. I'll do 65. Surprisingly, the average audience score, 97%. Wow. And the average tomato meter, average tomato meter, 
95%. Wow. So does that mean the show sucks? No, no it's it means, good. It means good. it's amazing. That's like an insane score. But I thought the whole point of the, the website was to throw tomatoes at someone. So if you're throwing 95% of your tomatoes, it means that it's... No, it's 95% meaning it's a fresh tomato. If it was rotten, it would be a that rotten tomato. That does not make sense. It makes a lot of sense. It does <laughs> not. With you? This tomato shit is just out of control. You're focusing on the, the tomato pot too much. It's just a percentage of, of reviews. The fact that this has to be explained to you. And the idea that if a show scored a 10%, someone would be like, sick. Like, no, you would never want to do a rating system on, in reverse. Yeah, that's what I thought it was this whole time. Because you're throwing rotten tomatoes. Why would you throw 90% of your rotten tomatoes if the show was good? Is that why you've never seen anything ever? Is because you thought all these really good reviews were bad reviews, so you skipped them? 95? Yeah, fuck off. I'm not watching that. Uh. People are wasting their entire tomato stash <laughs> throwing it at this show. I'm not watching. Why would you throw so many tomatoes at this show? It was really good. <laughs> oh, God. Well, <laughs> I think there's a good point to wrap it up. So I think we should get into our green lighter canceled. So I'll go in the order I'm seeing you. Berg, I'm going to start with you. I'm going to start by pointing out that it's the Overlook Hotel, and I agreed with Outlook. And oh. As a horror fan, I would have I killed myself if I realized that later. Wow, what a way to go. Pretty extreme. That's what The Shining does. But, um, Did Clippy help you? Get out. <laughs> Green light for the show. I Like I said earlier, what we were talking about, I love the kid that plays Chris. I usually hate child actors because they're usually trash. And he's just excellent. I, I love his acting ability and stuff. I, I love Terry Crews. I'd like to see I, a lot more of him because I can see that being like his cheapness coming forward a lot more um i like the family dynamic i like that the show is an entire jigsaw puzzle where they you know every little thing that happens in the episode it slowly completes the puzzle and then all of a sudden everything's bookend at the end so they told this full story throughout the whole thing you don't even realize it until the very end and just really good storytelling for a random sitcom that didn't even get picked up at first so yeah green light for me gordo i'm really on the fence about this like the Writing was really, really smart. I like Terry Crews. The mom, I'm, I'm, I can take or leave. Chris, I could take or leave. I don't like the narration throughout this whole episode. I feel like that could have been less narrative heavy and let more of the good actors tell the story with him splicing it in. Like Young Rock, when it would like cut to modern day rock, telling the story that makes more sense to me than having this like disambiguous narrator i don't know i didn't i had more fun talking to you guys than i did watching so i'm leaning i'm gonna cancel it but it's like a real real soft i'm like more or less indifferent about the show but i'm i'm gonna lean towards cancel nick yeah no i mean i had a lot of fun watching this show i didn't remember much of the show. I had seen it a bunch here and there. Never watched much of it intentionally. Even as far as a pilot goes, I had a lot of fun. It was amusing. It was heartwarming when it needed to be. It was funny when it needed to be. And the narration didn't bother me at all. I actually really enjoyed it. It gives you... That's the point of the show is, is Chris Rock's upbringing, right? Which is, you know, it's, it's unique in its own way. It's unique in its own way because of that. And I felt like that's why 
I want to go back and watch more. Like I'm greenlighting it, but that like that's why I want to go back and watch more because everybody knows who Chris Rock is, right? And to get a glimpse into how he was raised and all the hijinks and you know everything he had to go through at that age seems interesting after this pilot, right? So I want to see more of it. And and like I said, it was just a really fun watch. I I had a good time watching it, and I would definitely watch another episode. So it's a green light for me. Yeah. So I'll be honest. I was very on the fence watching it at first, and originally I was leaning towards canceling, but I am going to flip it. And I agree with some of the things Gordo said too. I thought the narration was a little too heavy. I said I had some issues with the way that it cuts around so much. I know it was kind of product of the times and I would have really liked the same cast in a more conventional sitcom style. I would have liked to have seen how that worked too. But ultimately the, the last couple minutes of the episode turned me. And I think that all the stuff I mentioned before, helped it and made you more invested in the characters and the dynamic of the family. So that's enough for me to at least want to see another episode. I wouldn't say it was like a super strong green light from me, but it's going to be a green light. So with that being said, we have three out of four. Joe still has to vote and we'll update that on our website. Um, I'm sorry, on our Instagram at S1E1Pod. Knowing Joey's probably going to green light it anyways, but you know, double check and we'll have that up there later in the week. So go to S1E1Pod for that. But that concludes this episode. So as a reminder, S1E1pod.com. Go there for all the links to where you can follow us. All our social medias are linked there. Again, S1E1pod on Twitter and Instagram. Give us follows there. Let us know shows that you want to see. Like I said at the top of this episode, this was a fan pick. So we do listen to you. We get to them when we can. We definitely want to do shows you guys want to watch. We sprinkle in some that you probably don't want to watch. And I uh, hope you enjoy them anyways. We sprinkle in some that I don't want to watch too. Yeah, and Ferg as well. So that's all the time we have for this week, guys. Thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you again next week. Thank you. Goodbye. I think we got the best. I thought I was prepared for this. <laughs> I just realized we always do it, and now we don't have anything. Um, I think we got the best big piece of chicken. That works. Sure. There we go. Put them up.